Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Microsoft setting an expensive price tag on new AI products. We get more from Bloomberg's Erica Herskovitz. Microsoft announced its new corporate artificial intelligence tools called Microsoft 365 Copilot will cost $30 a month per user. And that's on top of what most business customers are already paying. Microsoft says the price tag reflects strong demand for corporate AI products and the cost of running them. Copilot, which is based on technology from artificial intelligence startup OpenAI, is currently being tested on about 600 customers, including General Motors and Goodyear. No word on when it will broadly be available. In New York, I'm Erica Herskowitz. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Morgan Stanley CEO James Gorman said the worst is over for the industry's downturn in trading and investment banking. Here's Gorman speaking earlier with Bloomberg. I do believe it's bottomed. Every CEO I'm talking to has tilted to a more forward-looking posture. Um, so I think deal, deals will start getting done. Whether they happen in the back half of this year, I'm not so sure. It might be, it might be next year that it comes, but it will definitely be, it will be during next year when we see it, if not this year. Gorman's comments came after Morgan Stanley reported second quarter results that did miss estimates due to a slowdown in trading and investment banking. Still, shares of Morgan Stanley surged after the company executives said that they were more optimistic in the second half of the year. The firm also recorded $90 billion of inflows at its wealth unit and posted a capital ratio well in excess of regulatory requirements. And just checking the stock here, up about 6.5%. At the close. Meantime, Bank of America's second quarter profits soared after its core Wall Street businesses exceeded expectations. The firm's fixed income and equity traders delivered a surprise gain, covering a slight miss in expected net interest income. Bank of America said that revenue from fixed income currencies and commodities trading rose 18 percent as clients reacted to changing interest rates. Here's CEO Brian Moynihan and his reaction on an earnings call. Bank of America reported one of the best quarters and one of the best first halves of net income in the company's history. Our results this quarter once again include solid performance on things we control by delivering organic growth and operating leverage. We did that in an economy that remains healthy but had a slowing rate of growth. Moynihan also said he expects expenses to decline on a quarterly basis even as the bank invests in the business. Bank of America shares were up 4% in New York. IMF Managing Director Kristalina Gorgieva said that China has shown more openness in debt relief talks. Gorgieva speaking here on the sidelines of this week's G20 meeting in India. They have made a very clear statement of commitment to the common framework. And they have demonstrated in the case of Zambia that they are willing to absorb some of the pain that is necessary to bring Zambia's debt to sustainable level. 
G20 members have been deadlocked on debt relief for developing nations after conceiving a coordinated plan known as the Common Framework back in 2020. This week, finance chiefs failed to reach consensus over a framework that could be applied to restructuring debt for poorer nations. G20 leaders are next scheduled to gather at a September summit in New Delhi. And China has released a new consumption plan to try to boost economic growth. More from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. China's Ministry of Commerce says the 11-point package is aimed at increasing spending on home goods. Local authorities are being encouraged to help residents refurbish their homes, and people should be able to get better access to credit to buy household products. The measures come a day after China posted weaker-than-expected economic growth for the second quarter. The spending plan drew skepticism from some economists. Bakari said the plan marked a small step and offered few specifics on the potential for direct cash handouts. It also said policies aimed at property and infrastructure would likely have a bigger impact on the economy. In Hong Kong, Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong, and coming up, we'll be chatting with Cheryl Smith, economist and portfolio manager at Trillium Asset Management. Lots to talk about uh, the broadening out of the rally on Wall Street, uh, the idea that we've seen industrials and transports and other uh, companies like the banks today rally. So that's one of the questions that we'll be putting, whether or not that continues. A lot of attention on AI today after that Microsoft news. And as mentioned, those stocks did power up today. And then ongoing Tensions between the U.S. and China, but a lot of meetings at the top here over the past six weeks or so. What does that mean? That's all coming up. Now it's time for global news. Donald Trump says he has been informed that he's a target of the grand jury probe into the attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Ed Baxter has the story in the 960 newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, exactly right, Brian. Now, posting this has been his method of operation before in his previous indictments to leak it himself. He says he or his attorneys now have four days to appear before the grand jury, so if they so desire. Now, if this is true, Bloomberg Sound on host Joe Matthews says that Trump's criminal defense calendar is getting very crowded. By my count, that would be three in four months, which is remarkable. We know that that's probably not going to be the last one as a grand jury is convened in Fulton County, Georgia, on a very similar case, actually, investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 election. And Michael Zeldin, former federal prosecutor and special counsel of the Robert Mueller investigation on Bloomberg Sound On, says Trump is having a problem hiring enough attorneys. Four sets of lawyers, Georgia lawyers, if there's an indictment, Mm. the New York Allen Bragg case, if there's a uh, group that will take just that case, the Mar-a-Lago, and then this prospective (laughs) case. You really can't do as a lawyer justice to all these four cases at the same time. And Bloomberg's Wendy Benjaminson says it could actually help Trump politically, which is why he was so eager to post. After the indictment in New York related to hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, And after the indictment in Florida, in the documents case, it worked for him in terms of polling, in terms of fundraising. And public uh, Republican leaders in the House of Representatives, at least, are standing by Trump. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise. Once again, this isn't the only time it's happened. Over and over again, you see different attacks by the Biden administration against President Trump. 
So this is just another case, or could it come with charges that could preclude Trump serving as president under the 14th Amendment? The process uh, will be playing out. Meanwhile, the federal judge in the Mar-a-Lago secret documents case has not announced what she plans to do regarding set up, uh, setting up a schedule for his trial. Uh, he had asked for it to be put off until after the election. She reportedly signaled some skepticism today. Uh, she says she will issue a ruling soon. The 16 fake electors who signed certificates falsely claiming Trump won Michigan, have now been charged with state crimes. This is a CNN report. China poses an alarming threat to the U.S. power grid. A U.S. House subcommittee hearing from the president of the North American Electric Reliability Corporation that Chinese sophistication and activities are, quote, quite alarming. It says China continues to demonstrate increasing sophistication, including new adaptive ways to gain access to networks. And South Korea says is now detect- detected a two North Korea ballistic missiles set off today, says likely fell outside Japan's EEZ, and a U.S. soldier is believed to be in custody after choosing to cross the South Korea border into the north. Secretary of State Lloyd Austin. One of our service members who was on a tour, uh, willfully and without authorization, crossed the military demarcation line. We believe that he is in the BRK custody. Austin says uh, Travis King had been in detention in South Korea. He says an investigation is underway. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Cheryl Smith, our guest, economist and portfolio manager at Trillium Asset Management. Cheryl, on a day like today, after the past week or 10 days, uh, it may feel a little frothy uh, to some investors, but it happens at a time when the inflation readings are down at a time that growth is still holding up. We thought inflation might come down with growth coming down, but it's the opposite in a sense. And that seems to have emboldened investors. Does it embolden you? I wish it did. (laughs) But uh, I'm afraid that what I see when I see the uh, inflation numbers coming down while growth is still holding up is just the beginning of the play. So if you will, the Inflation numbers have come down some, but when you look at the GDP growth for the first quarter and what we're looking for for the second quarter, a lot of that was government spending. It really wasn't consumer demand so much. And we're starting to see stress on lower-income consumers. We're starting to see um, some pulling back uh, with the French fry index a little while ago, whether uh, people added French fries to their orders at McDonald's or <laughs> other elements. So. I'm seeing some weak demand. Another example of that would be that OPEC um, has been restricting supply, and all they've been able to do is keep the price of oil constant. They haven't been able to get it to go up. 
They've just been able to keep it from going down. That's a sign of some weakening demand. There are some other signs, though, at least in uh, in some of the financial indicators in the stock market uh, about investors being attracted more to today, for instance, the banking sector. Uh, and we've seen other types of cyclicals rally industrials and and transports and such. Um, uh, you, you think also that that's kind of just a, a, a last ditch effort, uh, but that it will eventually fail? I think that um, we certainly saw better numbers from most of the banks um, that have been reporting. Those have been the larger banks. The exception um, in terms of a sales surprise or, you know, earnings surprise would have been with uh, PNC Bank, which is a on smaller one of the major diversified banks. It sort of just joined those ranks. And I think when we see the regional banks, we may see a bit more stress there. Uh, we're also seeing some additional provision for uh, credit losses. We're also seeing some uh, provisions against commercial real estate, even though that commercial real estate isn't highly levered at those banks. So I think it is a sigh of relief, but not so much a, oh, everything is fabulous and marvelous and going on forever from here. I had a chance to, uh, to 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 watch and listen to James Gorman's interview with uh, with Bloomberg, and I was a little surprised that when uh, he was asked by Shanali Basak about uh, challenges, uh, hurdles out there, that he actually put U.S.-China relations up there near the top of the list, uh, more so than a faltering U.S. economy. Maybe that's my pivot to us talking a little bit about China. But uh, did you hear those comments, and do you do you concur? I did not hear his comments specifically, but I would say that U.S.-China tensions are a uh, high risk factor at the moment, one of the key risks that I see facing markets, despite Yellen and Blinken both going to China to do talks um, and, you know, the concern over the intellectual property rights with China um, continuing to be a major issue. The other issue with China and U.S.-China relations I would highlight is that when China reopened from COVID, there was a thought that that was going to be a major boost to the world economy. Mm, And it did boost things for a quarter or so. And then it looks as if you know, China is really struggling to keep that demand up. So China has to figure out what do they want to do? Do they want to continue to support Russia and the war with Ukraine? Or do they actually need the United States and need the rest of the West as an export market for them? So um, I think that that will be a major um, thing that we are thinking about over the next several months. So yeah, I think uh, socially and po- socially for sure. You know, you can you can understand it, but at least from a from a investment standpoint, uh, it hasn't really held back U.S. assets. Uh, uh, the stock market has done very well this year. It hasn't in China, so China has suffered more than the United States. So it, it is a little interesting that he and I know that everybody knows that U.S.-China relations are up there high at the list, but a little surprised to me that he put it uh, almost number one. Um, so when, when you look at investing in Asia, uh, do, you, do you have an appetite for taking on risk there or, or are you more cautious? We don't have a strong appetite for taking on risk abroad or even in the United States. We've been positioning <laughs> a little bit on the cautious side. Uh, yeah. And really what we're seeing is that while the aggregate numbers have held up, uh, whether you're looking at the labor market or you're looking at growth, when you look beneath the surface, um, it is a a picture of a few key elements, Q2, 
key industries holding up what's going on. So services are holding up the U.S. economy, or buoying up the U.S. economy, not holding it up for ransom, but buoying it up. Um, and uh, the industry focus of investors has been fairly narrow, just starting to broaden out a little bit again. And when we look at the labor market, we see that um, the unemployment rates for blacks have gone up. The unemployment rate for teenagers has gone up. The unemployment rate for uh, those who don't have a high don't have a high school education have gone yeah. up, and those are typically leading indicators of a softening yeah. labor market. So, if- so you're pretty cautious. Um, well, we'll talk again, Cheryl, at some point, uh, and uh, and continue the conversation. Cheryl Smith, economist and portfolio manager at Trillium Asset Management. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. And I'm Brian Curtis. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.